This podcast is brought to you by Voice of Vets. Voice of Vets. Hear it. Feel it. Feel it. Feel it. Feel it. Dr. Lennox Nchadi is the president of Black Farmers Association of South Africa and has the objective to mentor black farmers to achieve commercial successful farming, which is sustainable and which will contribute to food security in South Africa. We've seen the agricultural industry take a huge hit during the COVID lockdown, and we'd like to unpack how this has happened. So welcome to the show, Dr. Nchadi, and thank you so much for joining us. My first question is, We've seen the agricultural sector suffer due to the droughts and foot and mouth disease before the coronavirus pandemic hit. Take us through the challenges that the industry faced during the COVID-19 outbreak. This coronavirus set us all back because no one was geared for it, especially the the small-scale farmers. When the president announced the lockdown, some of our uh, farmers were about to sell. Uh, uh, they are veggies. As you know, you cannot keep veggies. They've got uh, uh, a certain life, uh, uh, a special life. Uh, you cannot uh, prolong that. Uh, they took a, a very big uh, uh, a knock on that. And also, uh, although the government have mentioned that there's a, a relief funding and that and that, that relief funding uh, did not come to our farmers. It's only starting to come out, to be rolled out only now. There are some of our farmers that yesterday received calls that they will be given some funds to cover their loss and that, but we did not see that. And also it depends on the regions. For instance, in the Western Cape, Black African farmers are not catered at all. So uh, what, happen, what happens in the Western Cape, the funding will go to whites and those uh, pre, uh, 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 preferred uh, 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 colored people. You see, the black African, they don't see nothing. You see, those are uh, uh, by, with this uh, pandemic, uh, uh, we have seen a lot. We are going to advise the government to change some of uh, uh, its uh, uh, planning a strategy, especially the Western Cape, there's a Casidra. What is Casidra doing for black people? Nothing. Casidra needs to be closed down because Casidra, we have picked up that Casidra was set up by apartheid uh, a government of the Western Cape to facilitate and assist white farmers, not us. So I think uh, uh, those are, are the points that we are going to work on as the black farmers of South Africa. And uh, also, we will make sure that our people benefit at all times. We had a meeting with the, uh, uh, Minister Koko Titiza, and uh, the minister also is willing to help, but there is no money. That is what we were told also by Minister Tito Mbowen, I think uh, it was two weeks back when we had a meeting with him. Uh, he said, one thing I'm going to tell you, there is no money. Uh, the government does not have money. We are going to have a follow-up meeting with this deputy. I think uh, that will be next week. But so far, our people are not assisted. The farming industry is one 
of the industry, certainly that I can think of, that we haven't taken, we haven't been able to take the time to consider exactly how they have been impacted by this pandemic. So as far as um, your organization and its objectives to develop skills and establish black farmers in South Africa, to collaborate with investors with the aim of developing successful black farmers, as well as to grow the scarce and critical skills within the organization, how would you say these objectives have been affected and impacted by the pandemic? I think, number one, uh, some of our farmers are not going to be able to come back, you see. And uh, because they did not have money to pay for their laborers. They were not prepared at all that something of this nature will happen. So hence I'm saying that to black farmers, some of them are not going to come back unless the government assists them and come with another strategy. Right now, as things are standing, as we are standing, we had a meeting and some of the farmers are are even selling their farming implements to try and save the business. Uh, Because the money that was promised by the government, they did not see it. And our association, we've got more than 47,000 members. But that membership fee, not everyone uh, can be assisted with the membership fee. You see, so uh, hence uh, I'm saying uh, that we've got a serious problem. And uh, those are the problems that we were uh, uh, tabling in, uh, to, to, the, to the minister, that the minister should look at that. We hear people talking about uh, uh, funding that they've got for black farmers and that and that, and even Mutsepe fund of, uh, 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 funding. We, uh, uh, we, make, we did inquire about it, but no one knows where it went to. Even uh, Dr. Masati, I did ask her because uh, she was also there when uh, uh, this funding was announced. And she said she don't know what happened to it. And no one seems to know what happened to these uh, monies that people are talking about, that they will fund this and that. It's just empty promises, you know. And, uh, uh, and I think those uh, funders should stop it, you know, uh, to say they will do things for people and that and that, and only to find out it's just uh, stories, you know. Also, as I said, there will be, it's, hard, it's heartbreaking, you know, to hear what is going to happen to the future of the black farmers, you know, because some of our people are not going to, to, to make it. Uh, because they lost a lot. And also, not only that, uh, during this lockdown, some people could not travel. When they uh, went back to their businesses, the businesses were, uh, uh, were, were uh, some, implement, some implements were stolen and, uh, and a lot went wrong. So uh, what I'm going to, uh, to say to you, uh, I don't know where, what is going to happen to most of the black farmers' future regarding to this uh, 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 lockdown, uh, irrespective of now the government is easing uh, uh, some uh, businesses to operate. But some of the people that were buying from the small-scale farmers are going to close down. And that is uh, when they close down, it means uh, our people will not have enough buyers because some of these relationships uh, were built over a number of years. So to start something new is going to cripple our farmers big time. But also, it is a learning curve for our farmers also to, 
when things are back on track, they need to save. So I think uh, that's it on that point. A very scary picture you paint of potentially some black farmers not being able to recover from this pandemic. But your organization has always assisted with some of your objectives being to develop skills and establish black farmers in South Africa, to collaborate with investors with the aim of developing successful black farmers and to grow the scarce and critical skills within the organization. Now, the pandemic has stopped many people from working and many organizations such as yourself from stopping achieving their objectives. How have your objectives been affected by the pandemic? I think the association itself is also affected because all our plans that were in place, we have to cancel meetings whereby we were pushing for the, for the retailers, national retailers, to give our people off-take agreements. Because as you know, there's not a single black African product that is with pick and pay, your shop right, your spa, all of that. So on the 28th of February, we had a summit in Cape Town uh, at Lagoon uh, Hotel Beach, whereby uh, the retailers were invited to attend, to try. We were trying to bring them to the table so that they don't uh, buy only from Soul Brothers. They need to buy from Blacks because they are operating in our townships. And all those that are not buying from uh, uh, the Black farmers, uh, we took a decision that they cannot trade in our space if they cannot buy from us. And it was made loud and clear in that meeting that uh, we will have a second round of the meeting uh, whereby they will uh, uh, give off-take agreements to the association so that the association can be able to uh, put their members together to make sure that we also don't fail the, uh, uh, the, 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 the retailers. So uh, when the timing of, uh, of this was very, very bad, you see, uh, and also uh, another setback, uh, you get people that are claiming uh, to be champions of transformation that uh, come uh, to, to black farmers and promise them they are going to transform this industry and do ABCD. Uh, when we check them out, I picked up these people is for self-enrichment. You see, it's not about people. If you look at the demographics of their board, it tells you the story. There's only one lady. And this lady, when you are discussing serious stuff, she is not there. And then uh, that also raises alarm. Uh, that is why we, as the Black Farmers, we were changing all these people that are changing the system also with Agresita, whereby Agresita cannot employ white people uh, with the hope that they can transform, that they can come up with transformation, whereas they are not uh, transformed themselves. So how are they going to come up with transformation? If you are a racist, how do you change people? There's nothing uh, 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 you, you can add to the table. Instead, you are becoming a stumbling block. And also, we, uh, they agreed that uh, 
they will look at that because, uh, as we said, they are paying billions to these companies. These companies, they just pocket the money and they don't give the people the necessary skills that they need. And also, some of our own people do have those skills. Why they don't employ those kind of people to transfer the skills to, to the same uh, brothers and sisters? So there is a lot that needs to be changed. But uh, I, I think now that the, the government now, uh, we are at uh, level three of this uh, lockdown, he has opened a lot. Uh, our negotiations will start again, and we will make sure that uh, uh, we engage with uh, the, uh, the retailers again. Maybe if our people can get the offtake agreements, uh, they, their life might change for the good. Because right now, as things are standing, it's only white farmers that are smiling all the way to the bank at a cost of the black farmers, you see? Because uh, they are trading now in our space. And uh, when we, I asked them a simple question, I said, are you happy when there is not a single product of a black on your shelves? They could not answer me. They said uh, they know they are partly to be blamed for what happened because they should have used uh, 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 the strategy that the government implemented of black economic empowerment, of which they failed. You see? So those are the things that we are facing. As all black farmers, there, uh, there's uh, four organizations. There's AFASA, there's BIFASA, there's FUSA, there's NAFU. All of them are on the same boat because no one is buying from them. You can hear your, uh, uh, your, your agri-SA uh, uh, talking so nice on the TV, this is what we do and that. Agri-SA is there for the interest of the white farmers. And also, those uh, black farmers that are with agri-SA uh, are sellouts because agri-SA is against of land expropriation without compensation. So how do you... Uh, uh, go in, uh, uh, sleep in the same bed with someone that is against of giving the people back their land. There's a lot of contradictions. So some of our black brothers are taking brown envelopes to delay the process of the transformation in this industry. And we are about to expose them. So uh, th these are the problems that our people are facing. But uh, we, as the Black Farmers Association of South Africa, we are doing this our own way. In our meetings, we don't want politicians because we are not politicians. And uh, as we are not politicians, we, we don't mix with politicians and, uh, and the government. We feel now that when we engage with, the, with these people, the, uh, the, uh, the retailers, the retailers, uh, we don't have to via government because retailers are business people like us. That is why we decided to do this thing without the government, without uh, uh, politicians, because the townships, it's where we come from. We are going to protect uh, uh, the businesses by asking the retailers 
to buy from us 100%, not 50%. They must buy 100% from black people. Those that are, are, are white, they cannot bring their stuff to the township unless they work with the black people. Then they can bring their stuff to, uh, to, to, to our townships. That is our stand. And we hope that uh, next week we are going to start again the negotiations going forward. As far as the agricultural industry, how were they impacted by this mad rush to stockpile by South African consumers, if they were impacted at all? Um, as I said before, the retailers are not supporting black farmers. The people that benefited, it's white farmers. Uh, the timing was not in our favor because this is what we were addressing in our summit uh, with uh, uh, the, the intention of a follow-up meeting to finalize everything. And uh, it happened that, again, timing was not in our favor. And uh, when the president announced uh, the, the lockdown, no one see it coming. We were not prepared. And uh, our people are the most people that suffered the loss. Again, the white farmers managed to uh, produce, I mean, to sell to the retailers. And also the retailers, I did tell them straight that they are the cause of this because they should have made sure that the scale is balanced, but they did not. They did not care. They decided to make sure that if you are poor, you stay poor, and that's it. But this time around, they will be sorry for that. Because if you are not going to comply with what we are telling you to do, then out of our township. We don't care even if there's only one retailer that is prepared to work with us. He can have the, whole, the, 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 the entire uh, uh, townships. We don't care as long as our people are benefiting. It's not about people to benefit with jobs. No, jobs is nothing. Our people must have ownership, and especially in their townships. There's, uh, uh, during this uh, COVID-19, there are a lot of stories that I've seen. I mean, I've heard and a lot of things that I've seen. There was another, there's another Jewish guy, uh, Franz Chiman. Our people, when the government uh, announced the, uh, uh, the, the, uh, the, it was, I think, on the, 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 the third, uh, uh, the third time he mentioned, yes, that uh, people can now uh, move, go back to work, those that can work. Uh, this gentleman, uh, Jiman, uh, he owns a, a USAID. He, he made a, sta a planned statement calling uh, people squatters, the people that are, 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 are selling close to, the, uh, to, to this building, their staff. And it's people that are, are, are from the township. He called them squatters. And I question that. How, how come you call people in their own place squatters? You know, uh, he, he was very, very uh, uh, arrogant, you see. And, and uh, a racist will always be a racist irrespective of he shake, he shake hands with black people because 
that tail will always come out. So uh, he was very arrogant. The, the president of uh, the Delft Chamber called me. We had a meeting via uh, a Skype. After that, uh, we decided that we, he needs to be taught a lesson. Uh, as we speak, that building, we are going to expropriate that building without compensation because you, he's got no right to call uh, people of uh, the township squatters in their own township, you see? And who, when he bought in to the township, he was supposed to, to know that he must work with the people of the township because our people, they can't buy land in, in the suburbs. It's very expensive. So they need to be catered uh, 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 by people like him, whereas he did not. So there are a lot of things that I can tell you. Uh, uh, pandemic benefited the whites mostly, not the black people, because the manufacturers are most black, I mean, white people. After 26 years, the white people are still dominating this industry. Whereas our government is putting everything in place, and then there will be those one or two that are supposed to implement. Instead of implementing, they take brown envelopes at the cost of the black people. Millions of people are, are, are being. Uh, 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 sacrificed by one or two people. So those, that is why we said we are, are not affiliating to any uh, uh, political party. We are going to fight for the rights of our own people. You see? And also, as I, I, I can explain until tomorrow about the wrong things that our own people are doing to our people. Look at SAPRA. SAPRA is issuing licenses of cannabis to white people, whereas the white people are the very same people that were jailing our African people for selling DACA. Now, when DACA and our own people fought for it to be legalized, now the whites took the cream. Also, SAPRA, it's most of the, uh, uh, the doctors that are at SAPRA are white doctors. That shows you their interest, it's with the white, not the black, you see? So that is also another meeting that we are going to have with them on the 26th at 11 in the morning. We will have a meeting with SAPRA, and SAPRA needs to, to explain to us whose interests are they serve and why are they giving white farmers uh, licenses for DACA. They were never jailed, and people that were jailed for, uh, for DACA it's black African people. They are still sitting with records. And colored people also are sitting with records. Your Rastafarians were arrested and they were put in jail. Why are they not considered? Is it because they are poor? So those are the things that we are going to, to be discussing with uh, uh, Sapra CEO, I think it's Mulefi, that's the surname. And also, uh, I've made it loud and clear to her. If they don't stop these licenses with immediate effect, I will deploy masses to union building until she is fired. And actually, the whole uh, uh, board is dissolved 
and they, they must face criminal charges for that. They cannot discriminate their own people in their own country. That is not right. So these are the things that we as black people are facing in this farm, uh, farming industry. Uh, and we cannot blame the government with this uh, uh, incident because no one see it coming. But as the black farmers, we were almost there to, uh, uh, to put an end to discrimination of black farmers and forcing the retailers to buy from the black farmers or out of our townships. And those that are not going to work with us, as uh, uh, we agreed, they must be out of our townships with their products. And we, uh, we uh, rather the building stay closed until we get someone that is prepared to buy from the black people. That is our stand. So many politics at play in the plight of black farmers and farmers in the country and many things that hinder the possible success or getting their fruit and veg onto our dinner tables. Now, one such of the hindrances is the South African rand weakened due to the effects of the pandemic. How has this affected the market within the agricultural sector? Has it made it more difficult? Has it made it easier? What has it been like due to our weakened rand? Uh, as I said before, the future of our farmers is in a, a very, very, very big crisis. Because uh, remember, before, before this pandemic, our farmers were struggling. Now, you can imagine their future after this without income, without any, any support from the government. So uh, it's a shame. And uh, I, I don't know how to explain to you. I get calls every day, even now when I was talking to you, people want me to assist. I don't know how am I going to assist. Uh, and also, they also want to know, uh, uh, President, did you speak to Togo Didiza? Did you speak to Tumboweni? You know, Tito Mboweni, uh, the minister, was uh, straightforward with, uh, uh, with us. He said, guys, there is no money. I don't know where am I going to get the money. Even this money that uh, 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 Minister Togo Tidiza uh, talked about, I don't know where is it gonna, is, is going to come from because I don't have money. You know? And we were very disappointed, but... We, what can we do when a minister is telling you there is no money? There's nothing you can do. Even the land bank, we are trying to save the land bank. The land bank has got no, no money. It's uh, running on minus. So there's only one way. We as the black farmers, we need to secure our indigenous plant, the cannabis. And uh, with that cannabis, we can close the gap between the rich and the poor because it is our plant and those whites that are sitting with money uh, they can feel free to come and sit with us and discuss a way forward it's not going to be an any black that they will choose and put in uh, uh, to be a partner whatsoever 
We are sick and tired of rented play. Sorry for my language, I, but I, I, I don't care because those rented uh, uh, a black scheme collapse a lot of people's businesses. People that should have been there are not there because of that corruption. So we are not going to allow that corruption. You will be approved by us. And also, it, when it comes to agriculture, we also mention that our people <clears throat> should be part of that decision because that decision is about black farmers. So. We feel uh, the, the presidents of all these four associations should sit there to make sure that the decisions suit their people and everything is going to be implemented according to what was agreed. Not to use a third force company to come and implement, whereas we are, we are there. That is also another waste of money, waste of time. So uh, it's a shame to black farmers, I don't know. Uh, maybe uh, Tito will come uh, next week with another plan of which we don't know. But for now, it's a disaster for black farmers. And uh, as I said, I don't think some of them will come back. And, it, and some put a lot of effort. They did not see it coming. And some are risking now. Their properties also can be uh, repossessed. It's a problem. It is really a problem. And that was Dr. Lennox Mchagi, president of the Black Farmers Association of South Africa, whose objective is to mentor black farmers to achieve commercially successful farming, but has obviously been halted due to the pandemic. Now, we hear exactly the experience of black farmers on the ground with farmers here on the COVID report. You're tuned into the COVID report. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you so much for staying with us if you've been tuned in already. Looking into the ways in which the COVID-19 pandemic has impacted the farming industry, a conversation that we've um, touched on briefly in the past here on the COVID report. And to join us uh, on this edition of the show to help unpack that conversation even further, we are joined by Mr. Mpo who is a 28-year-old farmer from Makado out in Limpopo. He is the founder of Muriro Holdings, which is an agri-processing company specializing in peri-peri and green beans, currently being grown on a 10-hectare farm in the Vembe region. He's also the co-founder of Muriro Hot Sauce, which is made from the chili produced on his farm. Paul, thank you so much for taking the time to join us and to chat to us here on the COVID report. If you could first... Um, give us some insight as to the revolution, so to speak, that agriculture is experiencing in South Africa. We are seeing a lot, of, uh, a lot more young people venture into farming. How did your journey um, into farming begin? Um, well, um, it's a funny story because uh, growing up, we never had a farm at home or I wasn't exposed to any um, family members who had a farm. Um, I did a Bachelor of Commerce in Cost and Management Sciences. And uh, two years back, uh, I, 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 I realized that um, due to our lack of employment um, in, in, in our country, we needed to come up with something that can generate income and create more jobs for, for a lot of households. So I went out, um, rented out a, a small portion um, or, of, of, of space to farming, and then that's when I started farming chilies. Um, after a couple of months, that's when I realized that, no, man, 
um, we can make something out of this. Uh, we can take the products straight from the farm and then go and process them and uh, make a chili sauce. So that's where the idea came from. Hence, I was farming chili and green beans by that time. That's when I then moved, used the money that I had and used the money that I got from the, 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 the small portion to go and buy a big lot. That's the 10 hectares farm that you were talking about. So yeah, that, that, that's where the, everything came from. And um, since then, we've, uh, we've created around uh, 15 full-time jobs. And then the extra 10 is part-time employment employees who come when it's time for harvesting or when we need additional work in the farm. So this all originated from wanting to create jobs in our country. But now, how did COVID-19 impact Mulilo Holdings? And how are you planning on recovering from the effects of the lockdown? Um, we, we, it had a negative impact because there came a time at which we weren't able to take um, our products straight to the market because we take um, the chili, the raw, the, the raw chili straight to the uh, Tuane and Joburg market. So there came, there came a time at which the market wasn't responding well. Um, the chilies, no one wanted to buy chili. Um, when it comes to green beans, uh, we also had a problem. So we ended up um, uh, we ended up having to cut a couple of jobs, and it, it was a problem because you know people are going hungry, and there was nothing we can do. Because we tried applying for the um, what do you call this the the, the 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 grants, the government grants, the agricultural grants, but it took a lot of time and the money that we received wasn't even enough. So it, it had a negative impact. We were affected by the COVID-19 and we're just trying to recover now. It's now like now everything is better. We, we're trying to recover and then regroup. Hopefully by the end of the year, we will have, we will have created more jobs than before. Well, indeed, as you um, so eloquently put it um, earlier in your response, you started this venture with the endeavor to create employment. Now, um, speaking of that, could you give us a, a, an indication of the size of your workforce um, and the, the ways in which that size of uh, your workforce was impacted. Um, I'm, I guess a sense of uh, the, the, the size of the workforce before the pandemic hit and um, during the continued impact of the pandemic. And uh, what relief measures um, have you been able to offer those workers impacted uh, during the lockdown? Uh, we had around 15 full-time employees, like I stated earlier on, and then the extra 10 like they were part-time employees. They used to come there whenever we were, it was time for harvesting or uh, whenever we needed additional workers uh, at the farm. So we had to cut down the, um, the, the, the full-time employees into, like we were only left with eight now. And then as for the extra workers, like we, we can no longer afford them coming through cost. Right now, this, this is only the time that we are starting to recover from, from the whole thing. And we, we tried to compensate them by, from the little that we had. So we, as the UIF to, uh, took forever to reply, uh, the grants took forever to come through, we, we had to use our own money, which wasn't even enough. We tried to meet them halfway, 
And even now, like they're the first people that you're gonna call back once everything is back to normal. They're the first people that you're gonna consider because we, we've left a lot of families without any income and it's a big challenge. It's not easy at all. Very frightening times. So now please do tell us about your product, Mulilo Hot Sauce. Does it retail in supermarkets? How did you get the product into the market? And has COVID-19 affected the market and it's your product's acceptance into the market? Um, the COVID-19 um, the COVID-19 pandemic uh, damaged us because we were in the process of getting our certificates from SABS and then everything just started to go slow. We're still waiting for, for, for our certificates because we have contracts with a lot of big uh, retail companies. So we, we are just waiting for, for the certificate, but then currently we are operating in the black market as in we have distributors countrywide, we have people who, who are selling the products from hand to hand. So we, we are just waiting for, for everything, for, for all the paperwork, the necessary paperwork, in order for us to get into shelves. I don't know if I cover or, or if I miss something. Um, you remind me if I miss something. No, um, from, from where I'm sitting, I think um, you've uh, covered every, everything eloquently enough. And um, it is um, absolutely fascinating to listen to. As far as your own endeavors in the agriculture industry, being that you are in your late 20s, um, young by, by many um, metrics of comparison, as far as the, 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 the endeavors that you have personally made in the agriculture history, the agriculture industry. Can you talk us through the, the ways in which you've um, been supported by, um, by uh, or rather the, the ways in which you've received report, um, support at a government level and um, any other agriculture-related support that you've received from the government? And I think as a means to shoehorn uh, this question in underneath that one, for any other aspiring young farmers looking to find out how they can secure um, support for their agriculture endeavors from government level, how can they go about doing so? Um, it's a tricky one it, when, it, um, when it comes to government because um, it takes forever and the process is just, uh, it's way too much, it's, it's, uh, it's frustrating. You know, um, as I, I believe when, as young entrepreneurs, we, we need to have a backup plan. Like everyone needs to have a backup plan. We can't depend on the government. I tried, we've tried to work with the government before. We were still trying to work with the government now. But then the, the whole process is frustrating. Um, in order for you to get something done, like you, you, it's a whole process. It's a whole different process. So I advise people to, to I'd advise young entrepreneurs to, to get up and, and then do their own thing. Because if, if ever you want to start something, the problem with us is when we want to start something, we want to start big, and that's not possible. You don't have the enough financial support to start big. Even if you do, you might fail. And when you fail, you don't know how to get up after you fail. So I, I advise young entrepreneurs to start small. You know, you'd find someone who um, would want to start a retail business, but then they, they, they're not willing to stand by the streets and sell their products. They're not proud of their products. 
and no one is going to come to you and no one is going to come and support you if you are not proud of your product of your product meant to say so the the the, the, the thing is we, we need to start small but then we need a perfect plan and we need to understand that when it comes to business you will eventually fail and when you fail the difference is how you get up so most of us depend on the government and we end up blaming the government um, in terms of employment, in terms of funds. But then we all know that's not going to change. It's still going to be like that. So we need to come up with things, with, with ideas that are going to change everything. We need to start doing things by ourselves. Let's start, let's start selling small and then grow. If you want to start farming, you can start farming on a 20 hectares farm. Use the small portion. Um, test your products. Try some. Try whatever it is you wanna farm. If it fails, that's when you're gonna learn. That's when you can. But then, if you go out and, and get a fund and, and get funding from the government of let's say four hundred thousand, you say that you wanna um you you, you wanna you, you have a, a ten hectares plot. You wanna farm there. You go there. You misuse the money. You you don't uh, you you no longer left with any working capital. And then uh, the, the natural disasters happen, such as this one this pandemic, what's going to happen? You, you won't even have any backup. So we need to start owning up and then standing up. We need to start doing things by ourselves and not depending way too much on the, on the government because we're still going to pay. So we need to stop depending on the government because you're still going to fail. Now, COVID-19 has changed the economy drastically. Can, you expect, can your customers expect innovative business dealings from you post-COVID-19? How is your business changing? Um, we we, we want to, as I said, um, our main focus is um, processing. That's our main focus. Um, we don't farm to sell the raw, the, 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 the raw products or the raw veggies from at the farm. That's just an, at the other side of the business. But then our main focus is processing. We want to process everything that we farm. Um, we want to process everything that we farm. So we, 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 our, 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 we want to have a factory that should produce each and everything that we want. Like we are not willing to sell our products to someone in order for them to produce um, that their products and bring them back to us and sell them at unreasonable prices. We want to process everything, get our products into shelves, and then create a legacy. That's what's important right now. We want to create a legacy, create employment, make sure that people have food on their tables, and, 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 and continue to teach young entrepreneurs or young people that farming is... Uh, farming is for both educated and uneducated people. Don't look down at farmers because there's this other tendency from young black people. We, we have a lot of them who have access to orchards at home, access to land at home, but then they don't wanna, they don't wanna work. They rather uh, go to an office, do an internship for three or four years, earning roughly around 4,000 rands, but then just because there's an aircon in the office, they, they, they settle down, they feel like they're living the life. And that's not it. That, we're not going anywhere with that mentality. Let's go back home. Let's go back to our roots. Go back to that orchard that your granny used to, used to work on. Go and plant something. Do something. Like we, we have, we, we're always complaining about the land. But then 
most of us have the land and we're not doing anything with it. The only land we want is the land that is, that's in the suburbs and you won't do anything down there. Go back home, swallow your pride, start something, we'll grow. Very powerful stuff. And um, I, can't, I can't help but resonate with um, everything you've said about um, the need for, for us as about to um, resist the, the temptation to feel burdened by the prospect of returning home and uh, working with the land that we have. I remember um, what many of the podcasts that I follow um, separate from the COVID report as part of my own entertainment, one of the guests on that show also spoke about the need for uh, Black people to remember that they, they've always been born with the facilities and the capabilities to farm and to produce food organically from, from the soil. And that the reminder of the need to um, have the capacity to sustain yourself and, and save things for yourselves in times of strife like this pandemic, um, which was completely unprecedented and came out of the blue. Speaking of, and I think this is a perfect segue into this, the final question that I have for you, Budenpo. Um, if you've taken if you've taken a moment, um, whether briefly or sustain or a sustained moment, to imagine a world post this COVID nineteen pandemic, what shape do you think that world is going to be in, and what do you think is going to be demanded of the people in this world to make that post COVID nineteen pandemic world as prosperous as possible? Um, it's gonna be very challenging and. Uh, a lot of businesses are not going to come back after this. Like people were never ready. Uh, so it's, it's going to be very challenging. And then the, the trick is people who had visions while starting their businesses are going to survive. But then people who started their businesses are because they've seen other people make the same businesses and then uh, make a success of the same businesses are not going to survive. Because if you have a vision for your business, you 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 know you know where you want where you want to see your business after five or ten years, and you have a plan. So each and every plan can fail, but then the difference is how you come back from failing. So a lot a lot of companies, a lot of businesses um, have been ready for 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 such, but then they they were not sure of. Uh, of the time frame and this is taking forever now but you can come up with something out of this this may be a good business opportunity who would have thought that we would be using sanitizers who would have thought that people would be making money out of masks so a lot of people benefited while this whole thing was starting and then a lot of people are still going to benefit after after uh, after this pandemic because uh, we, we're never going to go back to being normal again so it's a matter of adjusting your business and then adjusting your business with with what's going on right now and get ready and get prepared for what's what's about to happen so we need that mindset of, of blending in with the situation and then trying to come up with ideas that should benefit both the community and your business. Captivating insight from a young mind in what many might um, 
construed to be an old man's business. Mpomfuni joining us here on the COVID report, a 28-year-old farmer from Makado in Limpopo who is the founder of Mulilo Holdings, which is an agri-processing company specializing in peri-peri and green beans. As always, we thank you for your continued support um, downloading the show on our podcast. We thank you for your continued support for continuing to tune in whenever the show airs live. From myself, Ukamili Shawakwapovana, who you can call game, as well as my tag team partner in crime, Siposisembuli. It is goodbye. Until next time. This podcast was brought to you by Voice of Vids. By Voice of Vids. To hear more of our shows, tune in to 88.1. Or streams by www.varfm.co.za.